Welcome to Bring It On Baby, a podcast covering pregnancy, parenthood, and everything in between, brought to you by Behold Birth, a Doolin midwifery service based in Athens, Georgia. I'm Emma. And I'm Lindsay. Let's get started. So today's topic is labor, which is super scary (laughs) and daunting, but is it really as scary as everybody thinks it is? No, it's great. (laughs) It's a journey. Yeah. So labor has three stages, right? It does. So do you want to start by talking about the first stage? Yeah. So the first stage of labor commonly gets lumped in when you hear people talking about, oh, I had a 46 hour labor. Usually all of that is not intense contractions, right? Like it's kind of the slow buildup. So that first stage of labor is when Um, you start to feel contractions, you know, you might wake up in the middle of the night and be like, oh, there's a little something going on. And then 15, 20 minutes later, you feel it again. Um, but you're able to sleep through it. They're super easy to be distracted through. Um, mostly our recommendation is for you to ignore and distract, keep going on with your normal life, which usually you're able to do. Um, although if you're a first time birth giver, sometimes your adrenaline gets pumping and you're like, this is it. And I'll get contraction timers of like 15 minutes apart. And I am like, Hey, maybe like go to sleep, go to target. (laughs) We don't need to be timing yet. So yeah, that first, um, part of labor, that early, uh, latent active phase, um, is where contractions are pretty spaced apart. And for a first time, um, person, they can sometimes last around 12 hours, which (laughs) seems like a really long time. It's a long time. Yes. Um, but for subsequent births, it's usually about half of that. Okay. That's not bad. Yeah. No, it's not. Um, It's the fun part because it doesn't hurt too much, you know, so you can just like be excited. And usually at this point you're wishing, you're like, gosh, why doesn't it hurt? And then it's at that (laughs) point that I'm like, oh, I'm going to remind you of that in about eight hours when it does. (laughs) I would literally die on the spot. (laughs) But on the note of everybody's favorite buzzword, um, how do we tell real contractions from those of false labor? Yeah, like Braxton Hicks. And there's also, there's there's a good distinguishing factor between like Braxton Hicks and then some people that have what we call prodromal labor, um, which is usually like a, a positional situation with the baby. The baby's trying to get into the pelvis, so labor sort of starts and the contractions are quote unquote real, but maybe not producing cervical change. Um, and in somebody who's just home and obviously not usually checking their own cervix, it's hard to be like, oh, that one produced cervical change, you know? (laughs) So um, typically what we say, uh, if somebody is calling and they're not sure if it's just increased Braxton Hicks contractions or if there's actual labor contractions, um, we ask them if they are obviously drinking enough water, being dehydrated can definitely increase contractions. Um, we ask them to change positions, maybe get in the bathtub, see if anything stops the contractions. Cause if it's a true early labor, uh, contractions are not going to stop. So you're going to see an increase in them getting longer. They're going to get stronger and they're going to become closer together. So you'll start to see this pattern sort of emerge out of it. Whereas Braxton Hicks, you might have a consistent, you know, they could be coming every four minutes, um, but then they just stop. And that's usually 
not true contractions. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And there's this sort of pulling that you can feel that most people report from their pubic bone. So they feel the contraction kind of pulling from their pubic bone and wrapping all the way around to their back. So, and there's that shift where they're like, oh, this is different. <laughs> so we talk about those shifts a lot because there's several of them throughout, um, throughout the labor pattern. Huh. Interesting. So with all that in mind, when do you recommend that people contact their doula or service provider? How far apart do those contractions need to be? Yeah, we, well, you hear the, the 411 rule, or maybe you haven't, but the 411 rule is when contractions are coming every four minutes, lasting for a minute, and they've been doing that for one hour. Um, but especially if you have a doula or um, depending on where you're giving birth, your provider usually wants to know that like things are ramping up. So I always say um, from the doula role, contact me with any changes, you know, let me know the slightest thing towards the end. You know, if there's more bloody show or if you woke up and you just like have the shift of energy and you're like, I think something might be happening. Like, I want to know that. <laughs> um, I'm not going to rush over. Obviously, yeah. you don't need intense physical support yet, but um it's a, it's a good idea to just be having this continual conversation um, with your doula or your care provider if where you're giving birth lends to that. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. These are people we wanna keep in the loop. So during this first stage of labor, we're having these contractions with the goal of thinning and widening the cervix. And that first stage of labor is over when the cervix is fully dilated. Is that right? Yeah, well, so there's, you kind of have this early right? Um, the early active phase that kind of builds up um, to an active phase. So you have like zero to six centimeters. There's, if you'll read different things, some places used to say four centimeters was the beginning <laughs> of active, but it's kind of broadened to six. And then usually you have this um, six to complete, but then transition is at the very end of that, which is usually around eight centimeters until the magical 10 which is, okay. side note, not 10 centimeters. It just <laughs> means there's no cervix left. So you could be 12 centimeters, you could be nine, actually. But when That's the cervix crazy. is actually gone, it's such a, you know, like we're not in putting a measuring tape in and measuring yeah. your <laughs> cervix. So it's not this magical 10, but yes, until the cervix has fully gone around that baby's head. Um, and then the next phase comes. Okay, so going back to that transitional stage that you mentioned, that's when the frequency and strength of contractions peak. So is that kind of like the worst part? <laughs> well, transition is the most intense part um, mm -hmm. of labor, most will say. Some people would argue that pushing is, but for the active um, actual part of just contracting, transition is uh, really intense, but also it's the shortest part. Um, and so often what we see, especially if somebody has had a long labor leading up to that point, is this fear that this phase is gonna last just as long. Um, and just that fear of like not thinking or believing that they're able to continue doing that. Um, but it usually doesn't last that long. And usually when somebody <laughs> is saying, I can't do this, I can't do this, it means a baby's about to come out. Okay, so that's the second stage of labor, right? Baby is born, the fun part. <laughs> yes, the actual birth Pushing. was the technical second yep, stage of labor. So in general, how long does the second stage usually last? For a first time birth giver, pushing can last, um, it usually takes an hour or two. Um, 
That being said, a lot of that is learning how to push. And so I wouldn't say it's an hour or two of effective pushing. I would say it's an hour <laughs> or two with an hour being the learning um, because it's just like no nothing else in life that <laughs> you've had to push. Yeah. Um, the closest we can compare it to, right, is having a bowel movement. But even that, you're using even more muscles um, and it's this delicate balance of relaxing certain muscles and then forcefully adding resistance to others. And so it's just a, it's a tough thing when you've never done it before to kind of get the feel. Um, but thankfully providers are pretty good at guiding, um, and giving tips on how to get babies out and they always come out yeah. <laughs> one way or another. <laughs> so on the note of pushing, one of the big debates I saw online was spontaneous versus coached pushing. In practice, do you see any time difference between the two? Yeah, so I I think that coached pushing gets demonized a lot. Um, and I think it's because it should not be the routine thing. Not everybody needs to be coached in pushing and holding their breath and counting to 10. Um, but I've also seen where, especially for first-time birth givers, that is what they need and that's what they want. Um, that being said, I think when you physiologically are able to get into whatever position your body is telling you to get into, and you're able to kind of go inwards and listen to what your body needs, um, and providers are able to respect and just kind of follow you around, um, and help facilitate that, that usually that not only minimizes tearing, um, but they're able to get in a position that helps baby to come out quicker. It's like the body knows, it's pretty smart. Yeah. <laughs> and the baby knows, the baby wants out too. Mm -hmm. So it's this delicate balance of figuring out what each unique body and baby needs. So yes, I think routine pushing um, that's coached will lend towards longer pushing phases. Okay, wow, that's super interesting because I think it's not what most people would expect. Is there anything else on the second stage of labor that you think people should know? I think it just looks different for everybody. I think there's, um, for some reason, this um, idolization of the quiet, like, I just want to breathe my baby out. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that happens sometimes. <laughs> but it is not. And I'm more than willing to, you know, sure. Do it. Try to breathe your baby out. And then if you need more help, we'll intervene. Right. <laughs> um, or not even intervene, but like give suggestions and um, maybe move positions. And sometimes all that's needed is by the, you know, that in-between time, right? Like you've dilated to 10 and now in your head, you're like, well, now it's time to push out a baby. And sometimes your body just needs to rest. Um, and sometimes the baby, you're dilated, but the baby's head still needs to come down in your pelvis. And so... I think that's also going back to the coach pushing where um, just because you're dilated to 10 doesn't mean you need to start pushing. And so again, yeah, intuitively listening to your body, your baby might need to come lower and you can save energy, conserve energy yeah. while doing that, you know, by like utilizing gravity and um, not being in a rush to just get this baby out now. So there is a delicate balance for sure. Um, in figuring out when to start pushing, but usually the body just tells yes. you when. 
That's just so crazy to me. Our bodies are so incredible. So at this point, we've done the hard part. We've delivered the baby. All we have left is that third stage of labor when we deliver the placenta. And that usually doesn't take very long, right? Uh, typically, no. Between, especially in like a hands-off birth, the placenta usually comes on its own in 25 to 30 minutes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's it's not as hard as delivering the baby. <laughs> we often say there's no bones. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. There's no bones. It's um I think it takes a lot of people by surprise, even after you've talked about it though, because your uterus has just worked so hard. Mm -hmm. You've literally just ran a marathon and pushed a human out of your body. And then your uterus starts to contract again. And it's this like dread of like, <laughs> are you kidding? Like I just... I just finished this, didn't I? And it's like, almost, like you were almost there. But because everything is just kind of like sensation is kind of off because again, human that just came out of you, um, it can be hard to let those muscles go because that's essentially what you need is to just like release the muscles and let the placenta come. So Again, though, positioning with that can be key, utilizing gravity, which um, you don't usually see gravity being utilized in the hospital, but if you have the opportunity to like sit on a birth stool um, and just let it gradually come out. I'm also a fan of you helping your placenta to come out yourself. <laughs> it's, it's your placenta, you know? Yeah. So I feel like a, you know what you're feeling um, and it usually is able to just release and that is the best feeling there's always this sigh <laughs> of like oh, everything is out like i am it's actually no longer pregnant yeah it's beautiful oh i would imagine but on the note of the placenta i know you do placental encapsulation yeah super cool obviously people need to communicate that with their provider so they don't discard of the placenta as long as there was nothing during pregnancy or during delivery um that warrants the placenta needing to be sent off to like pathology to be um tested for anything you just can tell them that you want to keep your placenta you can even ask for a placenta tour before they put it away in the container and they can show you it's amazing to me um how many people have never seen their placentas, right? Because it just like comes out and the it, the cord's cut and it's just like put away. Um, yes, it's crazy. But you can, it's it's your placenta. So if you want to see it, you can ask. If you tell them you want it, they usually just put it in a biohazard container. And um, for clients that are doing it through me, I just tell them to bring a cooler. They can put some ice in it and keep it uh, refrigerated, iced until I'm able to come get it. The placenta is just such a cool organ. But going back to labor, is there anything else you'd like to add? Oh my goodness. It's, everyone is so different. You know, I've attended um, well over 300 births at this point, And I have learned to have zero expectations, you know? And I think that's even true if you've had multiple births. It's just your previous births are good information. But who knows, this one could be completely different. And surrendering to the process is like, that's what birth's about, right? Like being able to fully surrender no matter how it plays out. Because as much as we know about birth, um, we also don't know about birth. It's still a mystery, which is part of the beauty of it. Like yeah. we don't have all of the answers. Um, and that's my favorite question when people are like, can you just tell me like, when is this baby coming? Like, I don't know, <laughs> but I'm here to support you on that journey and however it unfolds. Um, and 
you tend to see that births unfold in just the way that both the baby and the birthing person need. Um, and it's really, really beautiful. Absolutely. Labor is just so incredible and interesting. But on that note, I think we're going to draw to a close. If you have any questions about anything that we've discussed here today, please feel free to reach out and we will try our best to get you an answer. Y'all have a great day. Happy laboring. <laughs>